mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zivyverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming. Host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic they make me feel polished and modern, and the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin, and so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands, and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z-ZIBBY20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white, open, long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Good Morning America. Check it out, Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. 
Gotha Tone Meng is the author of Call and Response Stories. I may have mispronounced that. She was born in Siroe, Botswana, and was a Wallace Stegner Fellow in Fiction, a summer workshop scholar at Tin House, and an emerging writer fellow at a public space. Her writing has appeared or is forthcoming in American Short Fiction, One Story, Virginia Quarterly Review, A Public Space, Plowshares, and Oxford American. She holds an MFA in creative writing from the University of Mississippi and is currently at work on a novel. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on Moms and No Time to Read Books. By the way, I don't know when this is coming out, but this is my very first podcast of 2023, 9 a.m. on the first day back of the year. So <laughs> here we are. Happy New Year. Thanks for coming on to discuss your collection of stories called Call and Response. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to uh, have you. And I know people who are listening cannot see, but you are wearing the coolest giant hoop earrings, which I love. Mine are tiny <laughs> today, but I have I have hoops of all sizes. I'm a hoop addict. Anyway, okay. Tell everybody about your collection of stories. Tell me about the writing process. What's the book about? What are the stories about? And um, I'm also curious as to the aunt in one of the stories and how she became the patient. And I would love to talk about that one in a little more depth. But Go ahead. Okay. So a Call and Response is a collection of short stories set in Botswana, um, which is where I'm from. The stories are set mostly between my home village of Saroe, which is a village in central in the central district of Botswana. And so they're set between Saroe and Khaboroni, which is the capital city of Botswana. I'd say that the stories center the lives of women, um, both the young and old, as they grapple with modern life in a tradition that, in in a society that's still traditional, but it's also like changing very rapidly. So these women and these girls have to sort of self-define against the pressures of their duties to their families and to their communities. So I think that, you know, like a number of the characters dream of bigger maybe like more romantic prospects for their lives, but they feel very constrained about the smallness of their lives and the smallness of the village and the smallness of the country. But, you know, I would say that these stories are are universal. I think that they tell universal experiences of womanhood and girlhood. So, you know, you have have girls and women dealing with just like normal relationship issues, like, you know, um, girls, maybe, you know, like characters that are falling in love for the first time, characters that are dealing with like complex family matters, characters that really just want to be loved or, you know, who reconsidering the choices that they've made in their lives. And yeah, just like, really normal, (laughs) universal experiences of womanhood. And there's a lot about being a daughter, too. I feel like, in particular, your first story, at least, which I read carefully to discuss, but there's a family and the aunt is living next door and you have this beautiful imagery, beautiful way that you write, where there's a wall between the daughter and the aunt and they're both Mm -hmm. sort of facing the wall in their beds Mm -hmm. and she realizes that actually they've been sort of laying there looking at each other with just a wall between them. I don't know. That was such a beautiful image. Mm-hmm. So, so lovely. And also the obligations. So this one niece, the mom, she she can't go to this wedding. She's so excited to go. And the mom is like, no, no, you're the one. You take such good care of her. You have to stay back. And then the tension between mm-hmm. her and her nephew, her, well, her, her 
half sister. I didn't get it. Anyway, cousin, 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 sorry, cousin. And what it means to have to fulfill your familial obligations and forego some of your own fun and sort of that deep resentment. I felt like I was totally missing out on this party myself. I was like, no, (laughs) like what's going to happen? I can't believe it. And just how much you have to give up sometimes to be a part of something else when maybe you don't want it in the end. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is uh, a sentiment for a lot of women. I think probably worldwide, but I think particularly in such traditional cultures like as in Botswana, where as a woman, you do have to self-sacrifice sometimes. And I think that a lot of these characters do feel that obligation, you know, like they feel pressured by their duties to their families. And there's like a push and pull between what they want for their own lives and what is the expectation like the expectations placed on them by their families and by society and, you know, what is the right way to live within this community, that kind of thing. Interesting. You also, I feel like, use hair as an interesting, like, theme throughout the book. And maybe I'm particularly Mm -hmm. attuned to this because literally my kid, one of my kids just finished like a whole segment on hair at school and all the ways it teaches you about culture Mm -hmm. and identity and all of this. But you start out with the aunt whose hair, of course, is thinning. She's very ill and everything. And then you go all the way to the end where you have Sadie or Sadie cutting her hair off and upsetting Mm -hmm. her family. So I don't know. I felt like there was something about that, or maybe I'm just maybe not. (laughs) I think that hair is a very powerful and potent, I guess, maybe like a metaphor for self-actualization. I think especially for Black women, you know, we have to adhere to like European standards of beauty and hair is like one of those um, standards of beauty where you really have to have like straight hair, relax your hair. When when like I, when I was younger, we, we all had to relax our hair. Um, and I remember when I cut off my hair when I was actually like sort of around the same age as the character in the story. You know, my hair was very long. <laughs> my hair was like relaxed and very long and everybody was shocked and my mother was upset. And then I had, um, you know, I had locks. I had dreadlocks for a long time. And, you know, people would ask me like, why don't you take better care of your hair? Just because it was natural. Not because it was dirty or like it was untidy or anything, but just because it's, it's in, in its natural state, people think it's like dirty or filthy or whatever. And so in that story, the first virginity of Gigi Kaisara, which is the the story with the character Saji, she, she's a character who is attempting to define herself for herself, who is inventing herself, essentially, who is trying to shrug off the definitions placed on her by other people, by, you know, her, her parents, uh, her, her mom, her dad, friends in boarding school. And she's, like, trying to figure out who she is. And hair is one of the things that she uses, like, when she cuts off her hair, is a way for her to really, I guess, like, start afresh, like, define herself, like, find herself. Yeah, so, yeah, I think I think, I think you're right that <laughs> it is used interestingly in the story. Interesting. How... Did you get from there, from writing these stories to here? And how did you become interested in short story as a form? And how, like, t- what are we doing here? Tell me, the, tell me your whole story. How did you, how did you start? When did you start writing? When did you, how did you decide to do short stories? I know you're at work on a novel. What's your story? So I was one of those kids who was always interested in writing. I think that, you know, when I was, maybe 14 years old, I was always being, you know, trying to write, trying to write a book. 
Um, so I knew that I wanted to write my for the majority of my life, but I never really got around to it until I was in undergrad, which, you know, I, I'm from Botswana, and so I did my undergrad education in Botswana. I did all of my education in Botswana. I came to the U.S. Um, in 2014 to pursue my um, MFA in creative writing. So I, so I so I moved to here in 2014 to pursue my MFA in creative writing, which I did at the University of Mississippi. And I wrote, I think that the oldest story in the book I wrote during that time. And, and I've been writing stories ever since then. I chose to write short stories because I really love them as a form. I think also they feel to me just like the perfect length, even though I will say that my stories are fairly long. But I like just like dipping into a character story. And I like the fact that with a short story, you could tell many, many years within like a shorter space of time. I also think that for me, short stories feel much closer to my own temperament in that I feel like they're very inward looking. They kind of they don't call attention to themselves. They kind of work mysteriously. <laughs> and, you know, they're just like very inward looking and and don't call attention to themselves. And I think that is who I am in a nutshell. <laughs> Interesting. Author as the short story form. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> I worked with um, a woman named Lee Newman who also writes short stories and we had started our publishing company together. And she would always say that even though they're shorter, short stories, if you could master the short story, it's like the most difficult and like cra- a huge achievement to be able to pull off a short story. It might seem simple, but that is misleading. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> what is the novel that you're working on? It's very early days, so I don't know if I can say much about what it's about, but it is set in Botswana. Um, it's set in Khaborone, which is the capital city of Botswana. And it's just about young people living in the city and trying to find love and relationships and just like find um, <laughs> a way to live. Like, what is the right way to live? Yeah, it sounds very vague, but that is what it's about right now. But it is very early days, so, you know, it might change. So, yeah. But I'm working very hard on it. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So tell me the story of like getting your book deal and having the book come out and, and all of that. So in 2020, I was living in San Francisco. I, this was just around the time that the pandemic started. And so I started querying. I, I knew that I had to go back home to Botswana um, because I thought that it would probably be better to be at home during the pandemic. <laughs> like if anything happens to me, I should be at home. So I knew that I would be going home and I wanted to, so I, I just sort of queried a bunch of edit, um, agents. And by the time I got back home, I had gotten responses from some of them. And I, so, you know, I got my agent while I was back in, home in Botswana and worked on the stories for a couple of months. My agent is Julie Berra, who is at the book group, who is a really incredible agent. I really love her and I'm so grateful to her for so much. So we worked on the stories for a couple of months. And then I think May 2021 was when the book went out on submission and there was some interest from some editors and I, we eventually went with Viking. So, you know, it's interesting because I came to the U.S. to become a writer and then I had to go back home. And that's where everything really happened for me when I was back home in my mother's house in the village. So that was really interesting. So it did kind of happen. I don't think that it happened very quickly, but I think that I was very lucky in that I didn't have to keep going back and forth with the editors and, you know, like, putting the book back on submission or anything like that. It just went on submission and there was some interest and yeah, and then it got sold. And now it's coming out soon. How do you feel about it? (laughs) I am excited and terrified in equal measure, honestly. I (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited but I'm also like, oh my God, oh what's happening? Yeah. Well, you're a really beautiful writer. Your imagery is like, I mean, you really put the reader right there. I feel like I was, I got this inside glance inside the homes of the characters you were writing about, both their internal lives and internal spaces, really. And it was, it was really neat. I have to ask though, what does, and I should have, I meant to like Google this, but you use the word ululating a couple of times. What does that mean? (laughs) Oh, it's like, I, I can't actually do this, <laughs> but it's like a sound that you make with your tongue. It's like, um, to like show, it's like a celebratory sound. So it's like, Ooh! so people do that at weddings or, you know, like at ceremonies where people are celebrating. Um, I know that, yeah, that's, that's something that came up when I was in workshop <laughs> with that story because people are like, what is this? Like, what does this mean? And I think also in some cultures, emulating, um, is like a more morning, um, sound so it was kind of confusing for some people but it is a celebratory sound it's, it's something that you do to celebrate so um in the first story they do that because it's a wedding um the character wakes up and she's hearing like people relating and she knows instantly like oh this wedding is gonna be great <laughs> so yeah that's what it is i mean i i did that in in it's it's terrible it, it's very beautiful when it's done by somebody who actually knows how to do it i wish i i, I could learn 
You just did it right then. It was bad though. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's bad or good. It sounded good to me. <laughs> for for all the people listening, they have I bet you most people have no comparison set for a good or bad ululator. So you are like the crown jewel of the ululators around. That's that's my <laughs> You know, I don't think my auntie would think that that was good, but yeah. Okay. People that know how to do it can do it very well. All right. Well, I think it was fine. That was very interesting. <laughs> um, you know, it's like cheering. It's so interesting yeah. all the diff- how every culture sort of celebrates their great days, their wonderful times, the sounds, mm-hmm. the cheers, the, you know, ancient rituals. Anyway. Yeah. So when you're writing, where mm-hmm. do you like to write and how do you do it? Do you just... Paint me a picture of, of where you like to sit. Is it what you like to, just like the whole process for you? And do you have your characters sort of mapped out or do you just dive deep into your mind? Or what, what's it like? Mm-hmm. I like to to write in places that I feel very comfortable in. So my bedroom, for example, I usually write in my bedroom. Sometimes I have like a desk in my bedroom. Right now I, I, I write at my kitchen table. My table is usually like really littered with books and note and notebooks and different versions of the stories that I'm working on. So it's not a very tidy space, but I feel like I know where everything is. Although I do spend some time every time, you know, like I waste some time every time, like trying to find the right version of the story. So I write mostly longhand. I will type and then print stuff out and then like work on stuff longhand. But yeah, I I can't do like the public space. I can't go to a coffee shop. I can't go to like public spaces because uh, I I like to feel very comfortable. I like to be in like pajamas and slippers and like cozy socks. So I prefer to dry at home. Yeah, it was it was kind of hard when I was home. I went back home for the uh, for two years in, uh, during the pandemic, and I had to work from home and, you know, I was like living in the village and people just like come in and out all day, just, you know, people just like come in and say hello and they want tea and everything. Uh, it was it was kind of distracting, but, you know, I got around to getting up earlier in the morning and like working in the morning so that when people come, I can still be welcoming and a good host and a good daughter because I was living with my mother. So, yeah. <laughs> So it was like you were living out what you were writing, right? The same yes, familial exactly. obligations. and yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> what advice would you have for aspiring authors? I think that you need a lot of, you need like religious faith because for so, for so much time you spend by yourself and you're working and you can put in a lot of years into your work and, but you don't know if, is ever going to see the light of day or if, you know, anybody's ever going to be interested in in, in the work or in, in publishing it. So you have to just have the faith that what you're writing matters and that it will be meaningful to somebody at some point. Uh, and maybe just like the fact that it's meaningful to you should be, you know, should help you sustain the faith to, to continue working. So I'd say just keep the faith is my advice. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So what do you do? What do you like to do when you're not writing short stories and, and having tea with all the people in your village? I really like dancing, but I'm not like a club going person. So I like playing music at home and just dancing by myself at home. I like, uh, I don't have a lot of hobbies, honestly. 
I like watching movies. That's it. Do you like to read? <laughs> I like I like reading. I like you know like low stakes gossip. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like chatting with my friends and just like gossiping in a very low stakes um, manner. <laughs> I, I love that. Oh, what do you do for fun? I like to gossip. All right, that's perfect. Me too. Me too. Low stakes gossip. I love it. That's hilarious. Um, I've never thought about it that way. And when you, what do you like to read? Like, what are some of your go-to books or what form do you love to read short stories? Or what, who do you love? What authors or what books? Or I love a lot of short story uh, writers. I really love Edward P. Jones, Alice Munro. I never know how to say this last name, but maybe it's Gallant. Gallant. I like Tiffany Anique, this Ugandan writer named Doreen Bangana, the writer Bessie Head, who is from Botswana and actually, you know, lived in Saro, which is where I'm from. Yeah. Right now, I'm actually reading a short story collection called Sustainable Living by Elsa Nicola. It's a collection of stories set in the Wisconsin area. And I recently finished The Transfer of Venus by Shelley Hazard, which I really, really loved. Yeah. Wonderful. Awesome. Can you pronounce your name and your say the title of your story again and people have been asking can you repeat the name of the book at the end so <laughs> so my name is and my book is call and response wonderful thank you thank you for kicking my new year off with this wonderful conversation i as we're sitting here talking i'm like this is just the coolest thing that how would our paths necessarily have crossed in life right I, I, don't know, I was just thinking of you sitting there opening the door for the villagers with the tea with your mom, like right, trying so hard to like get your work done and look yeah. what my experience in the pandemic was like. And like, here we are just like chit-chatting about this book coming out. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Anyway, I'm really inspired by you. I think it's wonderful. The stories are absolutely beautiful. And yeah, I, I wish you all the best as your, as your book comes out. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.